0: This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life.
1: Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Morton climbed Bobong Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three,
0: two, one.
1: What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JTGatlin. Show of course at Locked On Rockets as well as at Apollo HOU. Now, joining us for today's show, we've got my man Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Rafael, how's it going? No, I can't say I see I I messed it up already because you're coming on a podcast where we've got Rafael Stone in the front office and I'm already messing up your name, Rafael.
0: It's all good now. He's the first person I've ever heard. Just go by Rafael, and I think it's spelled the same way my name is spelled.
1: If I'm it not is, mistaken. it's identical, and it's throwing me off. Like i I've got my, I've got my like introduction and everything over here. I've got it like teed up and everything, and I, I just, I, as soon as I hit your name, I'm just so conditioned to saying it as Rafael.
0: The A is silent. I've never heard that before. Raphael. The first time I, I heard him, someone mention his name, <laughs> I said, "Dang, they butchered his name." Because I'm used to people saying Raphael or, or you know, just kind of changing the pronunciation of a little bit and i just assumed that was what was going on with his and didn't realize that the a is silent
1: so as per my 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 little you know flustered intro right there, um, what a great way to tee it up! But you could you know we can follow you on Twitter at Barlow five hundred, and I also meant to include you're also the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. But we want to give you a second. Let our listeners know kind of where you got started covering the NBA draft and what your background is.
0: Trying to give you the condensed version. It's been a long journey. Um, I started my website NBA Draft Junkies. I want to say it was 2016, and I just so happened to be living in Turkey. I'm a videographer, and I do some skills training, and I was working there with uh, Epe Udo, who, I mean, you're from Houston, so you should have a lot of Baylor fans in the area, but Epe was uh, one of the, I guess he's the highest drafted player from Baylor, and a good friend of mine, and he, um, he was playing for the Clippers the year before, and then he ended up going to Turkey and play for Fenerbahce, which is like, I guess the best way to put it, it was like the Yankees of Turkey as far as just recognition and, and, and a fan base. So I went there to work with him and just do some video projects for him. And that's when I started the site. And I kind of, I guess you can say, developed my niche in a sense because while I was there, I went to a lot of the international tournaments. I went to like the under 18s and I was 2016. So... Sekou Dumbuya that plays for the Pistons, Frank Nilakina from the Rockets, I mean, from the Knicks, Isaiah Hartenstein that ended up on the Rockets. Those were like the first guys that I saw and scouted in an international tournament. And from there, I just kind of felt like this could be my niche. This could be what separates me from the other million guys that have NBA draft websites or NBA draft Twitter. So that's why I guess a lot of people – consider me someone as that has a lot of knowledge about the international prospects because for the most part, the last four or five years I spent time over there and I've had a chance to watch a lot of the guys play.
1: Well, we know, and and I know that your knowledge, you know, ever since I started following you, ever since we, you know, got you involved at locked on, you know, I've been, you know, paying, paying close attention to what you and the other guys are bringing to the locked on NBA draft podcast, which you've got to go check that show out if you haven't yet, they, you know, uh, they, all the guys over there do a great job with it, but you know, we know that you've got you know an extensive knowledge of all things draft, but that's what we brought you on here today for, is to focus on the international side of things. And so I want to start off and just give us your basically kind of we'll say uh, your your big board your top five international prospects in this draft and then we're going to kind of go through one by one and kind of pick apart each guy and, and you know their perspective fit their you know projected range that kind of thing uh and focus on the international angle of this draft for a little bit
0: yeah so my order changes depending on the day of the week <laughs> so as far as like who's number one uh i just give you an order I, well, I, I, I'll just say this: I, they're not in order. They're just my top five. So I would go with Josh Giddy No, 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 R- no. I gotta.
1: I, I, if I put you on the spot and tell you and ask you to put them in order, can you do it? Or is it gonna change? Uh, I, course, and I understand. Yeah. I understand it's fluid. And so it, you know, we're not gonna. We're not gonna hold you to these receipts. It's okay.
0: All right, I, I'll give you my order as of today. As of today, I would go with Alperin Shingu number one. I would go with Usman Garuba number two. Josh Giddy, number three. Now, a lot of people are iffy on this, but you can make a case and say Franz Wagner is an international prospect, but I won't count him in there. Um, then I would go with Wrenz Blindberg from Belgium. He's one of my favorite prospects in the draft. And then I would say number five, I would go with Rokis Yokobitis from uh, Lithuania.
1: Okay, now I I wonder because of of the draft guys that I've spoken to and had on this show, it feels like a lot of people are extremely high on Josh Giddey. So to see you have him there third, is there some reasoning behind that? Which we can I mean we can extrapolate on that and you know kind of dive even further into that as we you know focus in specifically on him. But here on the you know on the outset, is there any reason why you have him third on that list?
0: No, it's it's not a knock on him at all. I'm just higher on on the other guys. I mean Shingoon is putting up numbers that we've never seen from someone his age. I mean, it's, it's close to like 29 or something like that. And this was, this is in Turkey. Turkey, in my opinion, is the third, no, I'm sorry. It's the second best domestic league in Europe. I mean, the ACB in Spain is the best, but behind that, I would say Turkey, there's a lot of college stars that are, you know, that you know weren't good enough to make it to the NBA that are playing in turkey and i lived in turkey so i know how competitive the league is for example the team that won the euro league um ephes is in the turkish league fenerbahce is in the turkish league so there's some really competitive basketball there and you can make a case and say shangun has been the best big in europe and he's only 18 years old to put up close to 20 and 9 a game at 18 in the tough league is something that we haven't seen before so I mean, maybe the fit because, you know, if he was born in 1978 and this was like the 2001 draft, I think he'd be a top five pick. But, you know, because of this era, you can have some concerns about his overall fit, but we're watching a guy like Jokic, who's, in my opinion, is going to be the MVP, you know, carry a injured Nuggets team into the second round. And Shingun may not be the passer, but... I think he's somewhere in between Jokic and maybe like a Yusef Nurkic. So. But neither one of those guys were as productive at the, same, at the same age. So that's why I'm so high on him.
1: We're, we're going to keep this conversation focused on Shingun here coming up. And then we'll dive into Usman and the, and the rest of that list that you dropped for us. Uh, but first, we got a quick message from our friends over at Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. So right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. So again, go to creditkarma.com winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc. Members FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And another message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics, can do-it-yourselfers, which is just not fair, it's not cool, right? rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is a really important part, be sure to write LOCKED ON in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I buried the lead on this little bit of news. I meant to drop it at the top, but uh, speaking of international players, international prospects, uh, the Houston Rockets have actually figured out who is going to be their representative at the NBA Draft Lottery, and it's gonna be none other than the great Hakeem Olajuwon himself, which, hey, I can't think of a better person to rep the Rockets at the Draft Lottery. The Rockets won their number one overall pick to draft Hakeem Olajuwon based on a coin flip, and given the fact that they basically have a coin flip's chance at retaining their pick this year, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon makes perfect sense. So, Chatting I'm going to be now.
0: disappointed if he doesn't have on the same suit that he wore on draft day. The The little tux with the with the little, I think he had like the red bow tie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's got to do it, right?
0: Yeah, because he wore it again in whatever year Stern last year as the commissioner. And I want to say at the end of the first round, he came out and, and he had a similar fitting uh, tux. So he, he's he's got to do it for the third time.
1: We'll we'll say hey man third times the charm whatever whatever brings the good vibes whatever brings that uh, nice juju to the Rockets we we need it because at the end of the day I mean things are not going to look good uh, in the seven one three if if the Rockets don't retain their uh, their pick this season after uh, going seventeen and uh, fifty five but uh, let's let's get into Shingun a little bit more you kind of were mentioning you know, talking about his his talent level for his age. So, and you mentioned Jokic. uh, Nurkic is a couple of the other, you know, guys, a couple of the other names. Are those your your best comps for him? Do you have some other guys in mind? Uh, Essentially, what is your, like, elevator pitch for this is his game and this is why uh, he's so high in my book?
0: Well, he's going to get a lot of comparisons to Jokic, and this is not a bad year to be compared to Jokic. I think, I mean, Jokic is a... Arguably the best passing big man of all time. So whose new
1: nickname? If you haven't seen the video, right? His new nickname has to be Joe Kitchen, like from the Charles Barkley uh, <laughs> yeah, impersonation video. Like if you haven't saw. seen that, so good. <laughs> so n- n- Nicola uh, Joe uh, Joe, uh, Joe Joe Kitchen, like just that was perfect.
0: that was great. That that was great footage right there. But yeah, I mean he's not the pastor. even though I think he's a really good pastor, I mean there's a couple of plays that stood out to me that shows his um his upside as a passer. I think as far as like how they play in the post is very similar balance, footwork, touch, wide frame that, you know, once they get the defender on their hip, it's hard for the defender to get around them. That's where they're similar. Jokic is just a lot better at stretching the floor. And I think that's what makes Jokic so good is that one, he's a, Crazy playmaker, but the fact that he's the inside outside threat is what makes him so dangerous, and it over it helps him overcome his lack of being a, an anchor on the defensive end. And so, with Shingun, I think that he has a probably a higher upside as a defender, he's a really good shot blocker, but um, he has the touch as of right now, he, he's not a floor spacer, but with his touch, I definitely think that in time he could be a a pretty good floor spacer and that's probably going to be the key to his development. But I mean, once he gets the ball on the block, I mean, he is the low down there because again, like I said, he has the footwork, he has the touch. I've seen some people compare him to Kevin McHale because of his moves. So that's why I'm so high on him, but it's, um it could be a boomer bust pick just because again, the era of basketball is not, best suited for his game. Like I mentioned, if this was the 2001 draft instead of 2021 draft, I think he's a top five pick.
1: So I don't know if Richard has uh, introduced you or Sam for that matter, because I've had both of them on so far. I don't know if either of them have introduced you to my new uh, draft statistic uh, rating metric that I created. And I'm sure somebody else has come up with something as equally stupid. But um, basically I came up with what I call the uh, bustability rating. And so it's the idea of how. what are the chances that this guy busts? And I want to get your opinions on that. But first, I want to hear where you're kind of projecting Shengun to fall. Like, what's his? what's the highest you see him going and what's the lowest you see him going?
0: I think he could fall at the back end of the lottery. I don't think he gets past a team like Oklahoma City. I think they're just gambling on... Talent. <laughs> and if their picks fail, they have a million more picks behind it. And I feel like the Rockets are in a similar situation. If I'm not mistaken, Stone said, don't judge the trade until like 2030. Is that something that, if I'm not
1: mistaken? It, 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 yeah, the paraphrasing is essentially, you know, there are a lot of critics that have uh, been very heavy handed on the, you know, commentary when it comes to uh, judging Raphael Stone and the Rockets for this you know, draft return that they got, but the problem is you can't evaluate the trade until we understand exactly what takes place utilizing this massive amount of draft capital that they have at their disposal, whether they hit on players in the draft, whether they package the picks and, you know, acquire a more established star, maybe the next disgruntled star who wants out of a certain city, whatever have you. And so, yes, he he basically, uh, in his end of year presser, uh, you know, uh, said as much that you can't judge this trade in its full capacity until we reach that point to see what's you know what's happened with all the picks
0: yeah i mean it it, it makes sense not for the coach though because you may not be around <laughs> to 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 reap the benefits
1: yeah steven uh, silas might be side eyeing that commentary a little bit like hey man i mean
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh so much change going on but um but yeah i i would say like i think he goes into the back end of the lottery I think Oklahoma City selects him um maybe a team like Charlotte who's in, in desperate need of a big I mean it seems like Biombo and Zeller have been there for like ten years together, and so I think uh you know adding a, a big there would would uh definitely help them out, so again, like I said, back in the lottery, I don't see him going past twenty,
1: and then the, your your top end
0: um maybe around 12, 12. So I mean, we don't know how, how it's going to shake out, but I think like a San Antonio, Oklahoma city, Charlotte, I don't think he gets, I think one of those teams would take him. It doesn't make sense for a team like the Pacers to select him. Golden state could end up with two lottery picks. One of them at the back end of the lottery. I don't think that, that makes sense there. So maybe the Celtics, I'm not sure, but, I say I mean with this draft I think anywhere from 6 to 20 is kind of fluid. I mean you're starting to hear like Scotty Barnes is, you know, a lot to go around 6, but I guess you can say 7 through 20 can man it's it's all over the place there. So I don't think anything will really surprise me at this point.
1: Okay. And let's let's get you now to the uh, the fun stat of the night, the bustability factor. Now, to explain the the reasoning behind bustability, right? When I came up with this premise, it was essentially your level of confidence in how this uh, NBA prospect is going to pan out over their career, right? You know, what is the chance that they are you know boom or bust, essentially? And to give you a little bit of a frame of reference. Richard went with, so the lower on the score, right, the, the lower chance of them to bust. So Richard gave Cade Cunningham a 1. On the bust ability scale, he gave Jalen Suggs a 2. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, he dropped in at like a 5 or a 6, I believe. So on so he's 50-50 on him? Yeah, basically. Okay. So on this bust ability scale, where do you have Shingun? I'd say 50, 50-50. Okay, so and about that about that five six mark.
0: Yeah, and the reason I say that is because it just depends on how well he'll be able to defend, and in today's NBA, I think it's really tough. No matter how many points you score and how efficient you are, as a big, if you're not a, if you're not able to anchor a defense, or at least stretch the floor, I think it's hard to find guys that can't do both that are productive. So. I mean, you look at your guys like Enos Cantor. When Cantor plays, he's definitely productive. Would so, Sabonis anything.
1: fit in that conversation?
0: Um, I mean, I think he's a little bit better. I mean, he's on the high end, but, you know, I, I think of guys like Montrez Harrell, uh, Enos Cantor. To another extent, you think of Jaleel Okafor, who can score on the block with the best of them. I mean, he's a low down there, but... I mean, as soon as he gets on the floor, our team is going to put him in pick and roll, and he doesn't move well laterally, and then he can't exchange twos for threes or, or bring the other teams big out the paint. So I think that's why he's kind of struggled as a, as a number two pick. But um, so, yeah, for Shingun, it's, it just depends on if he can um, defend and if he can stretch the floor.
1: All right, well, we want to talk about uh, Garuba and Giddy as well, and we're going to get to those guys in just a second after a message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. NBA playoffs are here right now, just not for the Rockets. They've also got NHL, UFC, you name it, they probably have it over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game, to get in on the action. So head over to their website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and final segment here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball part of the locked on podcast network today on our road to the finals our nba playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season now, as we're kind of rounding the corner here and let's get, in, let's get into these, these other two guys because Garuba is a guy that I actually haven't had a lot of time to look at. So, you know, I've spent some, some solid time on Giddy. I've spent some time looking at Shangun. I haven't seen much of anything from Garuba. So what's give – me, give me an introduction to him.
0: Garuba is he, – he's like Shangun in a sense that he's playing at a really high level. He's playing on a higher level, I should say. So he plays for Real Madrid and – That's the team Luka Doncic played for. And the thing about Europe that a lot of people that aren't familiar with basketball over there don't understand is that there's no real room for development over there. There's no lottery system. So if your team is bad, you don't get rewarded with a lottery pick. So if this were, if the Rockets were a team in Europe, there's no reward for this season. So Well, to be fair, there
1: might not be a reward for this season anyways. (laughs)
0: Well, you, you're, you're going <laughs> to get a good pick. But so, like, if a young guy is playing, that means he's better than the guys in front of them. There's no need for Real to give Garuba developmental minutes. He has to be better than the guy ahead of him because, again, there's no reward for losing. So, you rarely see guys play on a team that is as competitive as Real unless they're unless they're ready to contribute. So for example, Alexi's Pokashevsky wasn't good enough to make Olympiacos their A team last year. He played on their B team because he was so young and they were guys that they thought were better than him, but he goes to the NBA and he's, you know, after the bubble, he's starting for the thunder and he's given minutes. They don't care if he goes three for 15, he's still going to start the next day because if they lose, then, you know, the, the more ping pong balls they get. So, I said all that to say this. So for a guy to play for Real in the EuroLeague and be a contributor at that young of an age is pretty impressive. Um, we've seen guys that from Europe that were drafted high. They may have been on EuroLeague teams' rosters, but they didn't necessarily play. They were drafted because of how well they played against their age group and, like, the FIBA tournaments, not necessarily how they contributed for the EuroLeague team. So Garuba's playing, he's contributing, I think for him, best case scenario is like a Paul Millsaps type player, a guy that is a good rebounder, energy guy, may be able to post up some defenders, um, can space the floor a little bit, but is a plus defender. I think Garuba has like a 7 2 or 7 3 wingspan. He's a little undersized traditionally at 6 8, but the game is getting smaller. Um, but I think he's more so like a four or five. I would consider him like a high-level role player. I had a chance to watch him play at the under-18s two years ago, and it's funny because the two teams that met in the finals were um, Turkey and Spain, and Garuba and Shingoon played in a championship game. At the time, I thought Garuba was the better prospect by a wide margin. I didn't think Shingoon was going to develop into an NBA player. I thought he'd have a chance at the NBA, but he's made huge strides, lost some weight. And I mean, he just put up big numbers, but Garuba is, I, I think like the ultimate glue guy. And the most underrated aspect of his game is that he's a really good passer. He makes quick decisions. So if you give him the ball on like the short roll, he's not one of these guys that's going to lumber and run over a guy taking a charge. He's going to be able to whip the ball to the corners and, and, and just make plays so I think his style will contribute to a winning brand of of basketball unfortunately he's probably going to go to a bad team but i think if he ends up falling into the mm, right outside the lottery i think he can come in and contribute and make some some winning plays for a team that is uh, a playoff team
1: yeah, we've got a few of those teams that are, you know, sitting in the lottery this year that are not necessarily there because they want to be there, um, but they're, you know, competitive or they might uh, be in control of somebody else's pick or they just had a really weird, like, down year. Um, I'm looking at the Toronto Raptors um, on that one, uh, looking at the Warriors, you know, guys like that. But, um, you know, looking at him, a guy who is playing at, at that high level as you're talking about for, uh, for Real Madrid, you know, there's, I guess – is he a guy that that those teams would look at to be like a contributor coming straight in and you talk about him being a high level role player. Do you think he's like starting caliber or, you know, just that high level energy guy off the bench?
0: It just depends on what, where he goes to. I mean, if he, if he goes to Toronto, I mean, I think that would be great for his development. I'm a big fan of the Raptors development program, but yeah, I mean, I think like if, even if he goes to Sacramento, which I don't think anybody would want to go to Sacramento. If I'm an agent, I'm, Keeping my players' medical information away from the Kings, <laughs> but I think they need that type of glue guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball. Someone that's going to set screens, that's going to, you know, just give them some hustle and energy. I think that he will be a, a pretty good shooter. I mean, we've I've seen some games this year where he knocked down. He had games where he knocked down multiple threes. I don't think Real is necessarily using him right, but I mean, again, in in Europe, you have to. in they're not necessarily looking to develop so when he's on the court he may have to space the floor because they they may run too big so um i would like to see him in a situation in the nba where i think he'll get more pick and roll opportunities and that's where i think he can be really effective at as as a rim roller because he's such a good passer on the short roll but yeah i mean as far as like coming in and contributing like i think if he went to let's say the warriors end up at the Fourteenth pick, I think he makes some sense there as a guy that can come off the bench for them, give them a few minutes you know on a team that's competing for the playoffs and just his defense alone I mean he's a very good defender with his wingspan his mobility, and he fits today's nBA as far as being able to switch out on guards and move his feet and um again like I said he has a crazy wingspan so even if he does get beat on the switch with, by a quicker guard, he has the length to still affect the shot or make plays on defense.
1: Part of me's, you know, really interested in these these two guys between Garuba and Shingoon just because we're looking at the Rockets situation and pretending for a moment that worst-case scenario they lose their pick, you know, they'll have they'll be sitting on 18 23 24 and absolutely I mean they're going to be aggressive in I think trying to trade up even if they don't lose their pick and they still have a top 4 selection. I think that might actually lend them to be even more aggressive to try and, you know, instead of having a couple more prospects at the tail end of the draft to, to try and develop and, you know, a couple more, you know, chances to hit, right? They might be able to say, oh, well, we really like this guy who's, you know, more so in the mid-tier first round and we want to move up to make sure that we can, like, secure him at this spot. Uh, and I wonder, you know, between these two guys, Garuba and uh, Shingoon, who are kind of at least physically very different players, right? Which of those guys do you think slots in better next to Christian Wood in a hypothetical sense?
0: That's a good question. I think Wood is tough, not tough to build around, but I think it's tough to find like an ideal fit for him. I mean, is he a a five? Is he best I mean, it's like is he most I've been saying, he's the he's five? very
1: he's very Anthony Davis esque in where I think he's capable of playing the five, but I think his true spot is probably at the four with somebody who's a bit bigger, beefier, you know, to hold down that five spot, which is where we've seen Anthony Davis and the Lakers have a lot of success is when he has that bigger guy next to him, and he's playing the four and he can kind of, especially defensively, right? Be that disruptor, be that weak side help that, you know, wreaking havoc in the passing lanes, that kind of thing. But being able to slot in at the five when needed. And so that's why I was asking about Shingoon and Garuba and how they would potentially look next to Wood.
0: Right. And I agree with your take a hundred percent, but I noticed like with the Lakers, when it came down to winning time in the playoffs, they had to close with Davis at the five. So that's why You know, it's tough to compare anybody to Anthony Davis, especially when he didn't really win until he had LeBron. I think he won one playoff series. But as far as for, I mean, let's say with Christian Wood, I'd say for regular season wins to get you to the playoffs, it's Shingun. But in the playoffs, when you need to be able to switch and and, uh, defend at a higher level, then I would go Garuba, which is – you know, it just kind of makes it tough because we've seen in this playoffs, I mean, we've seen guys literally get ran off the floor. I mean, you look at Zubak, you look at uh, Matrez. that if you can't defend in the playoffs, then, you know, it's tough for a team to justify giving you heavy minutes. And I, that's the one knock about Shingun is that can you play him in the playoffs? Heavy minutes.
1: All right, well, we've got one more guy that we want to spend a little bit of time talking about, and I can't can't sit here and say we saved the best for last because you had him ranked third, but we're going to talk about Giddy. Now, his passing, is he the best passer in this draft class?
0: Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I had to think about it for a second. I was going to say Cade came into the reputation head and shoulders above everybody else as the best passer, and I think Cade is a good passer, but... You know, when I think of passing, I think of decision making and I mean I'm a big Kate fan and I'm hoping he goes to Houston. But Kate had a negative assist to turnover. Oh, well you you
1: just scored you just scored massive points right there, my guy. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> yeah, um yeah, I mean I would love to see him stay in his home state. And um but yeah, I mean I, I would say Giddy is a unique passer. And again, by me having him third, it's not necessarily a knock on him. But I'm looking at the teams that are drafting. So, for example, you look at Orlando. Would they bring in another guard? I mean, they just drafted Cole Anthony. They got Markel Folks. They got R.J. Hampton there. You look at the Pelicans, that could be an option. You look at Sacramento. If he's on the board, they probably pass him because they have Fox and Halliburton. Um cleveland doesn't necessarily need another guard even though he would provide some size which which they lack there so I, I think that there's a lot of redundancy as far as like the guards and so i think in in some cases he could fall I, I have him on my last mock going to boston at number 16 which i think would be a good fit for him i don't know if he falls that far but Again, there's a lot of redundancy with with a lot of the teams already have young guards that they're invested in.
1: So one of the things that I noticed when I was kind of you know trying to look at look at a little film on him is that he he's obviously really you know really great with the ball in his hands, creating, setting up his teammates, uh, the playmaking, the court vision is through the roof. But he's also got that knack for understanding his place, you know, without the ball in his hands, right? Touch passes, making the right reads, that kind of thing. So is is there not necessarily a world where? He's able to continue his NBA development, but as a guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands as much as he has uh, overseas.
0: I say it's tough because shooting is the biggest knock. I mean, if if there's one area of concern, it's the shooting. He has a slow shot, and I think that when you play him off the ball, I don't know if it helps the players around him simply because teams aren't going to guard him and then he's not necessarily a threat to attack the closeout. So I think he needs the ball in his hands. And, um, yeah, so I I think that's the biggest issue, which the shooting is, some may say, and to a certain extent I agree, it's the easiest thing to improve. I mean, you put in the time and the reps. But I think for him it's going to take a little bit of time because he has to not only become a better shooter, but speed up his shot, and then – Even when he drives to the basket, he's looking to pass more than shoot. And there are times when teams are sitting on his, on his drive. And, and so, um, but I definitely think he needs to ball this. I think he needs to go to a situation where a team is just going to give him the keys, similar to what Charlotte did with uh, LaMelo, because their numbers are, are pretty similar. I mean, they're, they're really similar. And I, mean, I don't think Giddy has. I mean, Melo isn't like an elite level athlete. I think um, Giddy's he's decent. He he's like this interesting player where he's slow, but he needs to play in a fast system. Like, how often do you hear that? A guy who's doesn't have ideal foot speed is not fast, but the best system for him is to play in up tempo offense. So um, that's kind of a long answer, but to answer your question, I think he needs the ball in his hands. I don't think him playing off the ball would be beneficial to anyone
1: if you could if you could just put him in his ideal situation i mean i know you mentioned boston but is there another team that you think would be like the premier fit for him the pelicans even though um yeah i
0: mean i I don't know if they're going to resign lonzo ball i can't imagine them wanting to bring Bletso back and so, I mean, I think the Pelicans will be a pretty good fit. I mean, even though they drafted a Kyrie Lewis last year. Um, Toronto, I think, would be a good fit also, um, even though um, they got Van Vliet. But Van Vliet has proven that he can play off the ball some. Uh, those are probably the best, the best fits. I mean, you look at, like, Detroit. They drafted the point guard last year. Orlando drafted the point guard last year. Um, Oklahoma City had a good rookie point guard last year cleveland has drafted guard so like i mentioned earlier it's gonna be a lot of redundancy but as far as like the best fit i would say probably new orleans all right well boston uh,
1: but before before we get to the fun part where we spin the wheel i gotta know the bust ability score you're gonna drop on both those guys because we passed up on it on on garuba so garuba giddy bust ability score each of those guys where are you dropping them
0: So I think Aruba is one of the safest picks. So I would give him a three. And then with Giddy, I'd say the same as Shingun. I put him in the five, six range.
1: Okay. I like it. I like it. Well, that brings us now to the super fun part of this where we get to decide if I'm going to be sad and if Rockets fans listening to this show are going to have a a sad day or if we're going to be happy and we have a good day and we're going to spin this wheel. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Let's see what we got. Ooh, we got a... I like this one. This is a fun one. All right. Rockets kept their pick, and that's always nice. Uh, Top five comes out. uh, Cleveland jumps up four spots to the number one overall pick, and you got Orlando at number two, Houston at number three, Oklahoma City at number four, and Detroit falls all the way down to number five. So... I'm gonna let you go ahead and do the selections for the first two, and then picks four and five. I'll knock out the Rockets at number three. So you got Cleveland and Orlando on the clock. One and two. Where are you going?
0: Oh uh, man, you—you, you, I wanted the Rockets pick. I have the perfect guy for them at three. All right. So number one was Cleveland.
1: Oh uh, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. You knock them all out. You know what? You're the guest. You knock them all out. So it's Cleveland number one, then Orlando, then Rockets. I'll let you knock them all out.
0: Okay. Regardless of who they have on the roster. Uh at Cleveland, I'm going with Kate Cunningham. Okay. Number two was Orlando, you said? Yes, sir. Oh man, this is tough. Um I mean Evan Mobley is number two on my big board, but they have Mobamba Bamba and Wendell Carter. I would still go with Mobley, even though I think they probably need some more help at the wing. At number three is Houston. I'm going with Jalen Suggs there. I like Jalen Green, but Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are, to me, they're very similar. And Kevin Porter Jr. is one of the most talented players in the world. Um, let's see number. Who was number four? Oh,
1: hold up. You, we can go back to talk about how how talented Kevin Porter Jr. is. We could spend a whole segment talking about that. No, but um, I, I I I agree with the with the Suggs pick. I think that you're looking for if you're looking for a complimentary piece next to Kevin Porter Jr. Suggs makes a lot of sense, but. When I had that's the easiest this, choice. But, but uh, when <laughs> I but at, at the number two overall pick though, like if the Rockets are number two overall and Cade's off the board, are you still going Suggs number two or are you going Mobley number two? Because in my head, I still really value Mobley as that unicorn, big, uber talented. You know, and I, I know that we talked about this a little bit with Shingun and the way you know the NBA is trending, but you know, I just think it's really hard to pass on a guy with that much skill and you know who has a really really high ceiling like Mobley does.
0: Now that's a tough choice and that's why they pay the guys the big bucks because I think <laughs> you can't go wrong with with either pick. And man, like I say Mobley So so look if if you're if
1: you're not you're not Raphael anymore, you're Rafael. You're sitting in the Rockets draft war room and you're sitting at the number 2 overall pick. Who are you taking?
0: You know what honestly that Choice would come down to intel. Who interviewed the best?
1: That
0: that's what I would. That's how I would make the choice on that one. Cause I think on the court, I mean, they they both passed the eye test, but I would who would I, that would be tough. Um, I I may go with, you know what? I I would roll the dice on Suggs. I'd roll the dice. Really? On okay. All right. I, I like Christian Wood. I I really. I mean, I have a. a tweet i don't know if it's a tweet i put on my facebook this was years ago i said some team needs to draft christian wood he's only 170 pounds but once he gets some weight on him he's going to be a player and he's he's still young and i'm i'm really big on, on on christian wood so You're earning
1: points points left, right, and center in this podcast. My man, I'm telling (laughs) you. Rockets fans are going to, if you're not following this man, at Barlow500 on Twitter, you got to go follow him, all right? He's earning brownie points left and right.
0: I mean, you can make a case and say that was the best value pickup in free agency. I mean, the Rockets got him at a really good deal. But yeah, I think I would go with Suggs. I would go with Suggs, and I figure if I have Suggs, Porter Jr. and Wood I have my point guard I have my wing score and I have my big so right now I'm just looking for complimentary pieces around them
1: all right well we're gonna I, I that was a beautiful tangent I loved every every second of that but let's go back and we're gonna round out this draft which we we did Cade at number one we did Mobley at number two I believe uh, to Orlando yep. Suggs to Houston at number three where are you going with OKC at four and Detroit at five
0: OKC at four, I'm going Jalen Green and Detroit, I'm going with, they're going to have a redundancy of wings, but I'm going Jonathan Kaminga.
1: So then I'm guessing Scotty Barnes to Golden State at number six.
0: Oh man, that would be like too much like right for him to learn under Draymond. And
1: yeah, that that's
0: what I would do there.
1: Oh man, poor Minnesota. Like I like I've been getting like sympathy pangs, like every sim that I do, and like their Minnesota loses their pick. I'm like, right there, like right there with you guys. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean Yeah. I mean, luckily Edwards looks like they have a building block there. And the thing about Minnesota, I just do not understand is why were they winning in April? Knowing that the more wins that they had, the lesser the chance of them keeping their pick. I mean, I guess that's good, you know, because, you know, tanking is a, is an issue, I think, in the NBA. But uh, maybe they're banking on the basketball guys rewarding them for not tanking so they'll keep their pick. That's yeah, the only they, thing I can
1: think of. I mean, it's got to be something like that. But, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show today. Felt like we covered a lot of ground. Go ahead and let our listeners know where they can track you down at.
0: Yeah, you can find me at barlow, b a r l o w e 500 on Twitter and on uh, nba dot com. that's my website and my YouTube channel again is uh, nba draft junkies. I've been putting up a lot of content. I have a goal I set for myself today and um I guess I'll put it out in the atmosphere so I have to be held accountable, but my goal is to drop 100 videos between now and the NBA draft so I put out two today I put out like the second I put out a mock draft a week ago and today I dropped the videos um for I dropped the video for picks 15 through 30 um I did a video today where I had a guy from um, a Pistons website make a case for Scotty Barnes going to Detroit at number three very interesting and then uh, I have a Scotty Barnes scattering port breakdown by the time this video airs so Yeah, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Again, I plan on having different breakdowns, different interviews, and my goal is 100 videos between now and the draft. So I'll be pretty busy.
1: And then, of course, alongside all those extravagant goals, which I don't have any doubt that you're going to be able to deliver on because, again, your content's incredible, but uh, they can also find you at Locked on NBA Draft Podcast, right?
0: Yep, every Monday and Thursday, Locked on NBA Draft. And I mean, if, if the people aren't listening to Locked On NBA Draft, I'm a little biased, but I feel like we have a great team of guys that just bring their own different perspective. It's not a lot of, you know, what draft takes, a lot of guys are, are very similar, you know, but we all have different, you know, just different views and, and just a different way that we present our, our information. So, I'm like I said, I'm biased, but I think it's the, the best draft team out there that Locked On has put together.
1: All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. It has been an awesome episode. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. Thank you for having me on. And uh, anytime you want me to join as a guest, I'm, I'm available.
1: All right. Well, that's going to do it for our episode today. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.